Gabe, thanks so much for joining us digitally as we're in our own separate locations um, and, you know, enjoying 2022 as we look back on 2021 and think, I thought that was supposed to be the better year. So, <laughs> But 2022 <laughs> is the one. This is Hope Eternal. Yeah. Really excited to be talking to you today. And honestly, going to be talking about some pretty exciting stuff. So, I mean, we're always concerned about traffic. want to talk about some of that stuff. But something that's pretty unique about you that we haven't had a chance to talk to is you're not the average affiliate that, that we've talked to on the podcast. You primarily deal with lead gen or CPL. So people that don't know what that is, um, that's going to be cost per lead. So essentially, people pay you to just bring them somebody that might be interested. It's like a, a body in the door if you were thinking about this in terms of retail. So really excited to talk a little bit about that. Um, and, and just to you know get things going, why don't you tell us a little about you know you and then CPL specifically? Oh, wow. So I guess I'll do a little bit of a throwback and how I kind of got into this. Um, I was I originally ran into some guy in, in a small town uh, and he did this thing called spam emailing and I had no idea what, what that was. And I was like, I need to know what you're doing because like I was young and I was like easily influenced. And I was like, this guy looks rich. I want I want what this guy has. Like, yeah. you know? I, I just assumed he was going to be a drug dealer or something, but he, he wasn't. He wasn't. Spam email. Next best thing, you know. Um, <laughs> one step so, above. Just one. One step above. So long story short, uh, started work with him a couple of years later. And that's kind of how I got into the online space, which was uh, pretty cool. Um, and then from there, I transitioned into uh, advertising. I took the Facebook route and like, this was way back in the day when it was like mostly like diet, like pushing green tea pills and, and all that stuff, right? So little little black hat days before it was really mm -hmm. black hat, I guess. Yeah. Um, or, or maybe I tell myself that, I'm not too sure. Uh, <laughs> well, it was just... It was just the early days of the internet. We were always figuring it yeah, out. Yeah, it, it was just it was just yeah. called diet back then. It wasn't called yeah. black hat, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, from there, I kind of transitioned into CPL. I started with education, um, which is basically just getting leads for people to go to school and stuff like that, and like nursing, all that kind of stuff. And then it, it transitioned to where I am today, probably. Man, 15 years later, I guess, 13 wow. years later. I don't know. I, I always screw it up. But uh, yeah, yeah. That's like four and, decades uh, in Internet terms. So, yeah, like it's all I it's all I really know, man. It's yeah. uh, it's it's pretty interesting. So I've been in it for a minute here. And um, yeah. And now I focus on CPL, which is uh, cost per lead. We do lead gen. Um, lead generation for companies like mortgage refinance, auto insurance, uh, home insurance, uh, home improvement, just like anything really that we can find that Facebook is happy with and uh, we can push heavy volume on. Nice. Well, just I'm super curious because you mentioned it when you were yeah. starting out with CPL. So you're getting education leads, so for schools. Was that nationally accredited or were you actually going to like state schools to try and get admissions like through like university of georgia or something like that no so i've always been in the affiliate space so um what was it called university of phoenix yes that, university of phoenix. yeah okay yeah. so it was it was like it was schools like that like nationally um, accredited and, okay yeah yeah and um anything really like nursing degrees like uh I think some legal degrees, just like secretary degree or legal secretary, stuff like that. So, Gotcha. Okay, cool. I was just yeah. curious. I had to, because the idea of like affiliates going from like 
black hat to then like driving leads to like state educate like state universities just was like wow that's crazy so uh but well, nationally you know what? yeah makes sense yeah you know what you just get sick of playing the facebook game with like the accounts and stuff you're just like yeah. what is the safest thing that i can push on facebook <laughs> to make money right now you know so i don't have to like yeah. deal with the account shutdown so i think that was the route i took um and it worked well, well man it still does education's a massive space so yeah well, let's yeah. talk a little about that because I think one of the things that's really exciting you also said the CPL is this concept of since it's just a it's a little bit more removed from the sales process um, yeah. that lots of affiliates that are are that you know using CPA or RevShare are dealing with it allows for you to be a lot more clean in terms of the leads that you drive. So so talk a little bit more about why that is and how you're able to maybe even like use other certain like generate leads that way in such a safe way and, and yeah just talking more about that uh, especially right safe now in terms a lot of like, deal with it. yeah safe safe in terms of facebook yeah um, so I mean, like anything, Facebook is going to like love or hate it, you know, like, and, and, and really you don't know how come half the time. Yeah. Um, but what we found with, with lead gen, like it's, there's just some safer angles you can take on stuff. Right. So let's say for example, you're doing like one of the offers I run is windows replacement for homes. Like that's just so safe. Um, and the traffic's going to be so clean. Um, that A, the people buying the leads are super stoked about it. And B, Facebook is like, oh, you're just selling window replacements. Like, we can't get mad at you for that, right? Yeah. Um, and there's, you know, like tons of people own hos houses and need uh, need windows replacement or roof replacement, stuff like that. So um, overall, it's like a, it's a cleaner process. Uh, and for me, I don't have to worry about closing the sale so much, right? Like verse uh, CPA basis where let's say it's like a $100 uh, CPA. Um, that might take a lot more steps to close versus just a CPL is just like uh, just a potential lead buyer, right? And then it goes to the call center. They do the closing. I'm on my way to the, the next like 100 leads or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, because how could I don't think Zuckerberg could be too mad about you know no. replacing windows or or all the other yeah. stuff. Maybe if you had a, a barbecue lead magnet, he'd probably be into that too. But yeah, um, for barbecue sauce, uh, <laughs> smoking but, some meats, smoking right? some yeah. meats. <laughs> um, so so no, I, I think that's super interesting and it's something just for people to think about. But at the same time, there's a lot of people that don't want to go into CPL. So so why is that? What are some of the barriers? Uh, is it just maybe hard to get a good payout? Like walk through a little bit about. You know why more people don't do CPA successfully, like you, um, or CPL? Sorry, CPL. You know what? I think it's. Uh, I think one of the challenges is the payouts aren't that big, right? Like if you like, like mentioning, uh, I know on like uh, ClickBank offers. Let's say you have like I don't know a thirty dollar front end, but then you get like a hundred dollar upsell on the back end, right? And you're getting paid out on both of those. Um, it kind of, you really have to dial in your lead cost when you're doing CPL versus CPA. Like, um, most, like my top payout on some of my offers are about $50 and most of the stuff's below that, like auto insurance, we're getting like 10 bucks a lead. So you really have to have your ads dialed into that. But then at the end of the day, it's a volume game versus, um, versus like a high payout game, right? Where you just hold hard, high ROI, like. It's, I think it's easy to do 100% ROI on like a higher payout CPA um, offer, but on a CPL offer, like we're stoked at like 
20, 20% return, but we can also, we have such big spending power that like we can spend a hundred grand in the day to make that 20 K, you know, and like that's, that's fine by us. 20 K is 20 K. And then you rack up those card points, you know? So, um, gotcha. so you guys use a lot of, you guys use a lot of your financing as well as a way to get better bottom line revenue in, in CPL yeah. push such volume, slimmer margins, but it's, it's just mass volume because when your demographic is, I live in a house with windows. Um, yeah, it's pretty broad and allows you to yeah. go, go big versus yeah. Um, it's a specific. It's diet funny though. Out. It's funny because like with the CPA, like when transitioning to CPA, I was so like focused on ROI all the time, and that was kind of like something I needed to switch in my head because I was like, I don't really like. It doesn't matter if I'm spending 10k to make 10k versus spending 30k to make 10k, right? Like the credit cards there, like it has the room to blast this, like just just do it. It doesn't matter. So yeah. that was uh, a big learning curve for me. Um, and now like I have a bunch of internal media buyer guys and I'm like, honestly, man, like, I don't care if you have to spend like a hundred to make 20, just do it. Like, it doesn't matter to me because that profit's still there. Uh, we're going to get the points on the back end. Amex pays out great on that too. You know, like just go for it. So. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. I was going to say that that's really interesting. We had Zach Johnson on, which I know, um, yeah. you know a couple months ago. And he really talked a lot about that. And that's one of those things where I think hopefully any media buying affiliates are really maximizing and utilizing their points uh, as a great bottom line addition uh, for revenue. Yeah. But but I think that was one of those things that I, I could see a lot of people not focusing on. It's just sitting right in front of your face. But yeah. boy, when you're spending yeah. as much as you are and can with the CPL campaign, that's really, really interesting and, and love hearing that. So it's really a shift from ROI to just bottom line. Hey, how much bottom yeah. line revenue are you bringing in in this campaign? We could spend, yeah. like you said, $100,000 to make 10, but at the end of the day, I really care about that 10. Let's just bring that in. So yeah. um, that's super But you also got to compare it to like brick and mortar or like any other business, right? And like a 10% return on stuff is, is pretty amazing, you know? So yeah. especially when we can do that in like a couple days or a day, depending on if we have the 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 cap allocated to us to hit those levels mm -hmm. um you know it's it's a no-brainer so yeah well i imagine too with with having it be so facebook friendly you don't run into so many issues with account shutdowns or um you know maybe having to pay other people to support building up all this stuff um getting you multiple accounts so you know you have a little bit less overhead i'd imagine too in those situations but before we kind of jump too much into that actually because yeah. i could talk about I, i'd really like to talk about what makes a good CPL campaign so or a good Legion campaign or offer um, that you want to go out and say, hey, this is one that's going to make sense for me. So when you're, whether it's auto, whether it's Windows, whether it's yeah. whatever, what do you look for that says, I'm going to be able to spend a lot of money and get a lot of leads for this? So it, it's interesting. And it's, it's the same as, a, as like any CPA stuff, right? Like it's it's, it's got to be dialed into the sense that, um, it just, it just converts well, right? The payout has to be decent enough as well on it. Um, cause like we're saying, we're running with such, uh, low margins that we have to make sure that our uh, earnings per click is, is, is fairly decent. Um, one thing, one thing that's a little bit different between the CPL and a CPA offer, a good offer is, uh, the backend supporting the CPL, like the call centers, right? So we run into issues sometimes with quality and they'll be like, oh, your quality shit. And then we'll be running to the, like, let's say we're running to two auto insurance offers. The other person getting the exact same traffic says like, oh, your quality is fantastic. And this is a common problem in this, uh, this niche. 
So really it comes down to like, oh, how overwhelmed is your call center getting? How well are those people closing these deals? Um, and, and then, and that's pretty much like a major thing, right? Because we, we can get kicked off offers all the time, right? For that exact reason. Um, but really it's kind of up to the back end to do the closing. Uh, and you know, sometimes it gets frustrating with them because they're just like, yeah, we, we, we just think you have shit quality, but we, um, <clears throat> Some some companies, if you if you build a good relationship with them, they'll actually give you back the call records, and you can listen to them and be like, and then we can listen to them and be like, oh well, you guys didn't even try anything. You just said like, hey, da da da, and then you just like hung up. So, uh, having the relationship with the offer owner is is a big element to having a successful CPL offer as well. If you want to do that long term gain and that long term um, scale with them. Yeah. Well, so let's title that back a little because you said some really interesting things. I think the first big part, and you discussed a lot of it, is like quality, but really quality to their back end. So whether it's a call center or, you know, however they're taking those leads and turning them to sales, um, whether it's an email sequence, I imagine most of them are going to be phone call centers to be able to get the, the money yeah. back in our way that they need. So how do you go about evaluating if it's good or not? I know you mentioned, hey, sometimes they'll send you calls if they're good or legitimate, but if you're going into like a new campaign with a new provider um, or agency or whoever you might be working with, um, it, are there steps that you take to maybe like check that back end and see that, hey, this is gonna be legitimate. So you're not running into, we just spent, you know, $100,000, made some money, but at the end of the day, like they don't wanna work with us and because they think the call is bad. The downside is it's like you don't always get that relationship. So sometimes you just have to wash your hands of it and just and just move on. Um, some people are willing to work with you and some affiliate networks even have access to that data. But let's say it's a, an affiliate network getting that offer from another affiliate network, right? There's no way that they can go up that line and get those calls from the actual offer owner, right? Because the main affiliate network that has that relationship is going to hold those cards close to them and not give up the the contact and stuff. So sometimes you just have to ax it and move on. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's kind of just like a, in that situation, you just got to do what you got to do and just move on to the next offer or try and find someone who has a better relationship with that offer owner. We've even gone direct uh, a lot of times, you know, really dug in and found the offer owners and been like, Hey, I was running this with you. This is a situation I ran into. I really want to work with you. Um, and a lot of the times they're open to do that. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. So, so um, kind of going back to, you know, mentioned there's lots of different ways to get offers. At what point do you say, Hey, maybe the quality issues are on us. What are ways that you could check with the leads and traffic you're sending to ensure that, that you're not the problem um, in a back end situation? Uh, so just being clear on the message, right? Like, um, as we all know on Facebook, some people just run very aggressive stuff, uh, saying like, basically you can get like free auto insurance or you're going to get a, a check back or some stuff like that. Like I've seen it all right. Even during COVID one time, there's like, it was like, Oh, COVID heavy COVID discount for auto insurance. And like all the auto <laughs> auto insurance companies freaked out and like pulled back. Like that was like the end of auto insurance for like a, a little bit. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's um, it's really what the message says on your ad, um, and it also comes down to the questions they ask in the in the funnel as well, right? Because if you're not asking, like, let's say it's like a you need something that has a 
a certain credit score to apply for. And if they're not asking that credit question, they're just going to get like so much people coming through that don't meet their requirements. So um, from my side of things, it's just the message on the ad and the pre-sale page. Uh, and just make sure that it's in line with what the offer is uh, asking and what their requirements are. Gotcha. Cohesive, right? It's one of those basic yeah. things that we talk about with any affiliate. You want to make sure you pair up with yeah. the marketing of the offer they're actually going to receive. So, Which people uh, don't really do that often. You know, it's like common sense, but it's not so common. I know. Yeah, yeah. It, well, that is the definition of all common sense. Things that we think <laughs> should be easy to understand but are never practically used. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so kind of going back then again, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. But I just want to reframe some stuff up to in yeah. terms of um, what well, we'll not say what makes a good offer, but what makes a bad offer. What are some warning signs that when you're going around looking at affiliate networks or going direct, you go, "No, we're not going to spend anything on that." What are some some horror stories that you've ran into before? So I don't really have any horror stories. Um, ah. You know what? It's I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm trying to think about it because, like, we're big on relationships in this game, um, and we don't really, we only work with people that uh, who have been referred to us or that have like um, good sort of rep, uh, rep in the industry. So we've been we've been okay, um, and honestly numbers kind of just tell you so like i i, I kind of remove my judgment when it comes to offers now because like if i look at something and be like oh that's terrible it looks like crap you know there's a there's a probability that that's going to convert really well which is very odd in this world i'm sure you've seen it and heard yep. of it before that uglier the better so um i kind of go in with no judgment when it comes to offers and just test and let facebook decide for me like is this going to work or is this not going to work um and you'll learn very quickly if uh an offer is good or not when i first started running auto insurance probably like i don't know four years ago we worked with this new company and they were just they're a big email company and they moved over to uh social and running on facebook traffic and stuff and they uh they didn't really know they were new to it so they didn't really know how to set up um the offer and the offer had like multiple tiers right so like different times a day uh you get paid a certain amount um different states you'd get paid a certain amount like so on and so forth it was very confusing when it comes to uh firing Super. the pixel and stuff like that yeah um it was complex and but once you got it you, you figured it out but and it wasn't it, it was their fault but like i can see where they came from and what was happening is the pixel or the the lead was double firing in off peak hours so let's say the offer was like 6 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern or whatever. Um, after that time, the pixel would double fire. So if I got a lead, I would get paid double that. So oh. I'm thinking like, oh, wow, I'm crushing it. Like I'm just having like yeah. these crazy months. And I think by the end we were out like 80 grand or something. Um, oh, man. And I felt so bad for them because it's not their fault. Like whatever. It just it is what it is. Um, and uh, I was like, oh, in my head, I was like, damn, like, I'm going to be like short 80 grand on this. And that, this is like the only time this has ever happened to me. But uh, we agreed to split it 50-50 and we're uh, split the loss 50-50 and we're still uh, good friends and still work together. So that is awesome. And we're, we're going to build on that in a second, because I think that's such a powerful thing. You mentioned relationships are big in your business and 
handling the situation that you just described, um, that's exactly, I think, the example to do it to maintain a great relationship. I've seen a lot of other ways that's been handled that doesn't work for yeah. either side. So, and it probably takes both sides. Getting that 50-50, I think, is really great. But before that, I just have to share a quick story about ugly yeah. pages. Um, so, the, still the ugliest page I've ever seen. It was, uh, it's, it's actually a ClickBank client. I remember looking at it, I thought something was wrong. I was like, I don't know what's wrong with this page. I don't know how it could work. Um, it looked like the internet from 20 years ago, like Al Gore's internet. I was like, what is this? Yeah. Um, and it was about like giving people like books on Christianity, someone talking about Christianity, and a prayer group. So people would give you prayers. And it was just the yeah. most rudimentary, ugly, ugly, terrible page. Yet this offer was a seven-figure offer um, on an annual basis. And so I was like, what is happening here? And I finally was able to talk to the offer owner um, and come to find out like it's just – the right audience with the right specific group of individuals that just connect with them. And because we're in a global economy with the internet, even something that looks as hideous as that developed the right way to the right audience works, right? Yeah. In fact, because it's probably so rudimentary, it feels more organic and sincere, increasing those conversions because, hey, I'm not spending a lot of money on web design to tell you that, you know, share this message. I'm just sharing yeah. the message. So it, it it's, looks like it's crazy. your local church just made a page and tossed it up. Dude, I yeah. love it. That's so awesome. Yeah, it was, it was, it's, uh, it blew my mind. So, um, but anyway, so going into the relationship side of things. So I think that's a really powerful side of it. If you could just talk a little bit more, because one of the things that a lot of people um, want to know from the offer owner side, and I think even from the affiliate side is, how should offer owners interact with super affiliates? So like yourself, if I want to do CPL or even CPA, just with a large affiliate, what are some, I guess, tips, tricks, advice on building the strong relationships that you've been able to that have leveraged your business and made it what it is today? Oh, wow. Um... I don't know. Just be nice to people. Treat them with respect. <laughs> uh, understand that like both sides are doing their best to to make moves. And like uh, for the lead gen side of things, like you can't you can't be shady because it's it's gonna show eventually, right? Like it's gonna your the quality's not gonna be there. So there, you're really just like shooting yourself in the foot, trying to be a little bit more aggressive on the ad side of things versus um, working with the client and and moving or I guess the client in this case the affiliate. Um, and moving forward with them. One thing that I, I will touch on is like, so this, is, this isn't this is my situation, but I actually, I did do it a little bit. Sorry, I'll take that back. Anyway, I'll move into this. So one of my good friends, he, uh, he owns a ClickBank offer. Um, and one of my other good friends is, was an affiliate with him. And what was really cool is they just um, built a relationship together and they weren't friends before this, but they built a relationship together. They started working together. He started running traffic for them for his offer and they worked together back and forth to tweak stuff. And the uh, one guy who's the media buyer, he's like, hey, maybe try this, maybe try this to the point where they just turned this offer into just this beast offer. But then one step past that um, to make sure, because one thing I know about offer owners is it's hard to get affiliates to stay on your stuff, right? Like I know that it's it's a huge challenge in this space. I'm friends with a lot of offer owners. Uh, my wife even has her own offer on ClickBank. So like everyone, it's like, it's hard to get an affiliate to commit to that because they're just gonna move on to the next shiny thing. But what this guy did is he's like, hey, I'll give you a little bit of the backend traffic on all the emails that you generate, right? Because most offer owners have a big mailing team or at least they're farming that out to someone to get that backend revenue. And as an affiliate, like if I don't have, 
if I'm not running ads, I don't have any revenue coming in, right? So having that back end of all the email traffic that I, I was providing, um, it may, it would make me want to stay on that offer so much longer, right? Because you're, you're making money even when you're not running ads, the more you generate, and it also gives you the leeway to run more aggressively in a sense, because you can break even on the front end, which as an affiliate, you never do. You want to make profit, right? But you can just hit volume, get the offer owner tons of leads, but you're still going to make off money on that back end with the email. So I feel like that's a really smart play to keep the relationships tight um, and keep the affiliates around. That No, that's fantastic. I love um, the idea of that collaboration, right? A relationship mm -hmm. that's well, working well, should always be collaborative, um, but not just stop it at the initial success. How do we continue to collaborate? And what a great yeah. idea to share some of that back end, which in ClickBank, I mean, I don't know outside of ClickBank how it's used, but in ClickBank could be pretty, done pretty easily. Um, yeah. know, through some of our JV tools, but but super duper smart. And I've seen that with rebuild situations before where they give percentage of rebuilds mm -hmm. if you have that as a component. And it's huge for media buyers just because you start your day before you even run ads and you already have revenue before you even spend yeah. anything, right? Like that changes your business substantially. Um, I think it's one of the things that a lot of media buyers and super affiliates sometimes look at offer owners with envy. They're like, oh man, I love that if I... And I, I didn't have to spend money to make money all the time kind of thing. So, yeah. um, you know, I think I think that's a that's a great idea and something to really build off of. If you're an offer owner or if you're an affiliate, remember to kind of collaborate and build those relationships and look for, you know, creative ways to kind of um, build that investment with the right partners. You're obviously not offering that up to any affiliate, but when you know someone's worth it, um, you know, it's really big. So I, one question I want to ask, I think this is an area where people sometimes get stuck is when do you decide to start building that relationship of working on offer? Like what is that process and how do you go about it? I think oftentimes like, okay, an offer is good. How do you find out this is one that I should work on to really make it great um, and kind of go from that transition? So um, if you could talk a little about that, that'd be fantastic. Um, so that one's tough because I don't do tons of tons of CPA stuff. And with, with CPL, it's more just about the numbers in the beginning. Um, but I think it just, it really comes down to the relationship. Like, can I work with this person? Is this person willing to work with me? Um, and can we just grow it into something big, right? Like, cause some people are just not gonna sing together. Um, but also I, there's things to look for as well. Like, is this a, I, I, I'm guessing from the CPA aspect, like, is this a niche that has huge growth? Uh, can, can we really scale this to the moon or, or wherever you want to scale it to? Um, uh, is this niche going to burn out really quick? Um, I don't know, stuff like that. Cause like, if it's like something fitness diet related, all that stuff, like that's going to last forever. That's going to go forever. You know, finance related, that's going to go forever. Um, so that's kind of the things that I would be looking for. Gotcha. Yeah. Versus if it's something that's like um, mask, if you had a mask on. Face mask. Like, yeah, face yeah, mask. Face probably, mask. Not, probably not going to last no. too long. So um, But okay, apparently so, those crush still, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I think it depends on what waves you're going through. So Yeah, um, that's valid. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, well, I think uh, one of the big things that you kind of said, though, is it, you have to look at the numbers. So as long as the numbers yeah. show something, and then like you said, it has growth, yeah. like we can see a semblance of success and that there's growth there that's yeah. probably a good um, step to at least engage with mm -hmm. um, working, collaborating with an offer owner. So one, yeah. I just, one quick thing on that specific, have, like specific interaction, then I wanna jump into some trends 
Uh, well, actually, yep. we'll talk about some general tactics and things you want to share. Cool. Uh, but before that, when you're engaging, how do you start that conversation with an offer owner to want to collaborate more um, in, in your line of business? You have a campaign, you're thinking, hey, if I could just talk to him, I think we could really make this take off. How do you start that conversation? Oh man. So sometimes we don't even have access to said offer owners, right? So we got to do some digging and really like search around and stuff. Um, what's interesting is when working with an affiliate network as well, they kind of, they don't let you communicate with the offer owner a lot, right? Cause they're just like, oh, this guy's just going to go over my head and, and work directly with it. And in all fairness, in a lot of cases, probably, but I also think that like from an affiliate manager side of things, it's, it's good to connect those people. Um, just so you can grow that offer together. But in terms of what to look for when talking to an offer owner, I'm not too sure, man. I just, I think I've been in this space so long that I can talk to someone and kind of tell when they're full of shit or not. Um, <laughs> and that's, and that's like kind of like the number one thing I look for. I just want someone who's genuine, who wants to work together and just is like knows their numbers as well. Like not a complete noob knows what's going on. Um, and also is is willing to work with you, willing to uh, put into time to make the changes that you want to see um, and just grow together with it. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think one of the big ones there is willing to work on both sides. Right. So I, yeah. I've seen where I've seen it go bad when this when to an affiliate and offer or try and collaborate is normally exactly that breakdown. Either the affiliate thinks yeah. it's all the offer owner and they're not going to make any adjustments on theirs or yeah. the flip side that. The offer owner thinks that the affiliate needs to change their traffic, their ads, so on and so forth. It really yeah. needs to be both sides willing and wanting to work together and assuming a certain level of mutual trust within also, I always think you need yeah. to have some items in place to protect in the event that trust is you know broken kind of thing. But, but yeah, you have one to kind of trust there's a, Yeah. One thing I noticed is there's a massive disconnect between offer owners and uh, uh, traffic drivers like uh, media buyers and stuff like that. Because the tweaks that sometimes they tell you to do, I'm like, do you have any idea like how this works? Like if I say that nothing's gonna convert, like you have no clue. So I think if you are an offer owner, do a media buying course or like kind of learn about it a little bit so you actually understand what's going on. Um, because yeah, it's, it's, it's not as easy as you think it is. And uh, we can't just, I feel like as a media buyer, you can't just, do all the requirements that offer owners want you to, or else you're just never going to get traffic. Yeah, no, that's, that's great advice, especially and for both sides, right? If I'm an offer owner, I've taken a media buying course, I might suck at it, but I know what good yeah. looks like and I know what yeah. kind of generally works. Yeah. So that helps prevent from bad partnerships. If an affiliate doesn't know what they're doing and they're going to, you know, like you said, be full of shit yeah. and tell you. So I think, yeah. I think that's always a great advice and something that more offer owners should try and do. Um, you know, just even just once, just get out of the way with some large yeah. network. So. Or even like, even really dig into like a Facebook ad library or whatever is the traffic you're running on. You know, you can spy on a lot of other people's traffic and see what's working. Mm -hmm. um, and that'll give you a general idea of uh, okay. what you could be tweaking on your offer versus what you could, um, mm -hmm. you know, what won't work. Yeah. Or a podcast too, Rich Ad, Poor Ad with our friend Zach yep. we were talking about earlier. I mean, there's lots of podcasts out there that you could go and, and get some ideas on that. So um, yep. with that though, let's kind of talk into 
some specific tactics. So I know um, Facebook, you mentioned, is, is kind of your biggest lead gen source. I know that's yeah. been a lot of consternation for a lot of people and frustration in our world um, over the last year and, and even going to 2021. But I'm just kind of curious if there's any specific tactics with Facebook or just in general, give us like three things that, that people need to know and start doing that you think most people are. Okay, so the CPL space. With, we'll do CPL specifically too. Let's just let's just do it all because I can probably okay. broad paint this. Um, Sounds good. Okay, so number one trick that we figured out is we were having a big issue with getting account shut down, and I'm sure all of you know that issue. Everyone listening that has Facebook, you have had this or heard of this or whatever. So what we did is we hired an agency, a high level agency to be on our business manager because what we found is that we didn't have as much access to uh, high quality reps or we didn't have as much access to support ever since COVID hit, chat's gone, everything's gone. So we were really running into issues with this. So what we did is we just hired a high level agency who has a high level rep. Um, and just to let you know, there's different tiers of agencies. So you definitely have to ask those questions. Um, so pause, what, we did what, we what hired, questions, what questions do you need to ask? Like, how do you find out that you're at a high level versus a low level agency? You know, what's tough though, is like, they could just lie to you and say that they are, they have like a high level rep, but there's like example, there's like tier one agent or agencies and tier one reps. And let's say that's going to be someone that's on like Coca-Cola or like the Olympics or something mm -hmm. like that. And those guys, they have the skill set to just turn your shit back on. They have like, you know, they, they have access to it, not the skill set, but they have access to it. Mm -hmm. um, so if anybody wants to hit me up, um, they can either like find me on Instagram or Facebook and, I, and I'll just forward on my rep to you um, if someone wants that. But in terms of asking the questions, um, I don't know how you're really going to get there. I would just ask as many questions as you can and see if they're the right fit for you and see if they do have that accessibility. Maybe ask them the volume they would do because that would probably be a helpful place because if they're spending more, they're going to have a higher tier rep. Mm -hmm. That's my assumption anyway. Yeah, yeah, I assume um, as well, yep. Yeah, um, so once we did that, we haven't had account shutdowns in probably... Man, I've had my business manager with like 10 ad accounts in it for, it's probably going to be two and a half years, three years. Um, wow. In the beginning, I had a couple ad shutdowns, but they got it back instantly. Whenever I need like increases on um, ad spend, I can just hit them up and they do it. And, and overall, it's like our whole goal was less downtime and how can we do this? So that was a big key for us and that was very helpful. Um, what else? So in terms of, running traffic. Uh, I kind of let Facebook do the heavy lifting before I used to do tons of targeting. I used to do uh, tons of age splits. Um, I used to do tons of different uh, ads. But now what I do is I use something called dynamic, uh, dynamic ads, which basically you just drop in like 10 images, five copies, five headlines, couple call to actions, and then just let Facebook do the heavy lifting, sort out what works and then go from there. Um, in terms of running audiences, I just go, I go broad and then select like a certain age. So let's say for example, I'm running like a, a windows offer. I I'm assuming I want homeowners, right? So most homeowners are going to be like 35 plus. So I'll just do 35 plus in terms of that and leave it pretty open in terms of that. 
Um, so let so, Facebook do the heavy lifting. Can, yeah. I, can I pause on that? Because I've, I've been hearing more and more of this with kind of letting Facebook's algorithm dictate, yeah. hey, who it's going to put it in front of. And you got to trust all the data that they are snagging from people. Um, so is that only – do you find that that only works on just really, really broad offers? Um, or can you still do that with – I mean, obviously, CPL, you normally need pretty broad offers. It's kind of the nature of CPL. Um, but – is it is it something you find it less effective the more narrow you go? And then the second part of that is how much do you normally need to spend before you kind of get the ROI that you're looking for and let the algorithm start to learn? So kind of a two-part question there. All right. So yes, it'll find your audience. And this this comes down to creative. So I spend all my like hard work on the creative side of things. I test so many images. I test so many videos. I test so many copy because if the right message is out there, Facebook's going to find the the buyer or the, the lead that it needs to. Um, so that's where I would put all your time and effort into and Facebook will sort out the rest. So even if it's a niche market, um, maybe be specific on the, the age group. Like we have a legal offer that we can only run from like 49 to let's say 63 year olds. So in that I have to do that, right? But generally um, wider is better. Um, and it'll keep your cost down too. Cause if you start stacking too many interests, your CPM is gonna jack up, your cost per click is gonna jack up. So it's, it's just not really worth it. Um, what was the second part of the question? Second part is how much how much spend do you normally have to invest before oh, okay. you get the learning that you need to scale something like that? So that's really subjective because like let's say for example you could spend a thousand dollars a day and get the you could get the result quicker. Or you could spend a hundred bucks a day and could get the result in like three days, four days or whatever. Um, but how I sort of do things is I launch and kill ads every day. Um, so let's say, for example, I launched a $1,000 ad. I wake up, it's not at my ideal CPL or CPA. I'll just kill it in that moment. I won't let it ride out. I won't let it turn around because I used to play the game of like, oh, maybe it'll optimize. Maybe it'll sort itself out. And then it'd be like three days later, you're in the hole like 500 bucks, you know, whatever it may be, 1,000 bucks. And I'm like, okay, this isn't turning around. Obviously, I should have just killed it on day one. So unless... I will re I will duplicate stuff and relaunch it every day over and over and over again. Um, and if it's not at my ideal CPL or CPA, um, I'll just ax it and move on and wait till the next day and do it again. Huh. So with this strategy, it minimizes loss. Um, and even let's say for example, you're running 20 ad sets or 20 campaigns. And let's say five of those, are really profitable, but the rest are losers. You could kill the rest of those early in the day. And those three that are profitable will make up for the loss throughout the day and either get you at a break even or a profitable day. I've had days where I've woken up like 10 grand in the hole. By the end of the day, I was up 10 grand just because of the offset of the profitable ads. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's no need to let those wounds continue to bleed if you already no, see them gushing no. blood, you know? So I think that's Again, common, it's really common sense when you hear it said, but boy, it's not common practice. So um, I think that's really good advice. But I also feel that like the people at Facebook are always telling you like, oh, let it optimize, let it optimize. Yeah. And I had to really make a switch in my head to be like, hey, like, sure, they say that, but what do they truly know about the system? Like, that's yeah. what they're being told. The end of the day, their goal is to get you to spend as much as you can. Um, so I'm not going to I'm not going to play this game anymore. I'm going to try it the other way. And it, it's worked well for me. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, that advice definitely comes very biased towards their needs being met versus your yeah. needs being met. So I, th I think yeah. that's fair to just be like, hey, if it's not working, don't no need to let it continue to lose money, right? So, well, yeah. um, I know we we're going to do three things, but th those were just two super super awesome ones. So okay. I'm going to let you go now. Really, what I want to talk about is. 2022. So we've started this year. It feels weird because I'm still adjusting the fact that we're five <laughs> days into 2022. Um, but if you give me just one big trend for 2022, well, we are going to cover some more about just one thing that you're really excited about and looking forward to for this year and that you feel like others should be excited about and looking forward to this year. Um, I think traffic diversification, right? Like um, I got this from someone who I work closely with and they're just like, if you had a stock portfolio, you wouldn't have all your money in one, uh, in one stock and just like hope it goes up, right? You're going to have it across a bunch of different ones. So I think that Facebook, or I think that traffic, you should have it the same way. I think TikTok is popping off. I think it, it just passed Google as the most, um, most traffic source or whatever. Like it has like the most views on it. Um, wow. And I know that there's a smarter way to say that, but I really, I really botched <laughs> that. Anyway, you got the message was delivered. Yes, um, yes. So TikTok is a huge platform right now, especially for people who have uh, VSL style offers, right? Because you know what works, you know you know what's converting. Just chop that up, make it a shorter one, a shorter video in the correct dimensions for TikTok, and slap it up there. Um, YouTube we know is also really good, and YouTube is great in the sense that. Um, they're being a little less uh, less of sticklers when it comes to what you can run on them, right? So like mm -hmm. Facebook really like tightened up their everything, but then YouTube's like, oh, well, we want to be bigger than Facebook now, so we're just going to open up the floodgates and let you guys run what you want. So diversification and traffic, I think, is a is a great trend for uh, 2022 on my end. Um, no, I, I would agree. With you. I, I was going to say I would yeah. agree with you. I think that's one of the biggest things that I've consistently seen is this past year, if it taught us one thing, it's that having all your eggs in one basket is not a great business model. Yeah. Watch businesses crumble, fold, you know, have to go into cost-cutting procedures because they were so leveraged just in Facebook. And as soon as things yeah. changed, and, and, and remember too, like I, I think the changes we saw with Facebook are not going to be the only changes we continue to see. And a lot of those changes yeah. will probably cascade to other traffic sources as they go. Um, Facebook's yeah. just kind of the government's target right now for a lot of this stuff, right? Yeah. So they're gonna get beat up, things are gonna be tough, but constantly diversifying and making sure that you could pivot when things happen is huge. Plus, we all wanna catch the new Facebook, um, which granted, I think TikTok stands a pretty good chance at that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of traffic sources out there. I know one that I've, I've, I've mentioned a ton of times is, is Spotify is looking to open up their um, podcast ad platform um, this year, so and I've started hearing oh, podcasts I listen to, but but they have a really unique um, ad set and uh, the ability to like create your own audio ads. Like they give you like oh, studio pre-recorded stuff, like yeah. super super um, exciting things. And then their dynamic the search allows you to do pre-roll, post-roll, and mid-roll um, ad spots onto podcasts. Um, so again, for like lead gen. That could be a really great traffic source. Yeah. CPA could be your traffic source. TikTok, obviously, for like you said, yeah. CP uh, VSL stuff. They're already looking at videos. Boom, just go straight there. I um, mean, the demographics have leaned older than they have in the past. So, um, 2020 and 2021, you've seen those those age demographics um, move up pretty substantially from where it started. So, younger, Even but TikTok, not, not crazy. 
even TikTok, I thought it would be a lot younger crowd, but it's much older than expected. Yeah. Um, which is fantastic. So yeah, I think it accelerated there. I think it accelerated over yeah. 2020. It really accelerated. So, um, but yeah, definitely diversification. Yeah. So TikTok, I would hugely encourage people, um, YouTube, yeah. if you haven't already. Um, and then Spotify is another plug that, that I keep saying, yeah. for because I think that could be a huge one. So, um, well, really appreciate your time today, Gabe. It was a fantastic conversation. Lots of really good tidbits. Um, makes me want to go out and do some CPL campaigns. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but if anyone, you know, you mentioned get a hold of you on your Instagram, but you don't just buy ads. You do a lot of other things. Tell the people a little bit about how they can engage with you, learn from you, um, and just connect with you more. All right. So we actually have our a podcast ourselves. Um, everyone's doing it these days. Uh, so we've had it for like, I think we've had it for about three years now. And uh, what what we notice in the industry is there's a lot of uh, like fake gurus just kind of pitching bullshit all the time. So we're like, nah, we need to bring out the real dudes because we have like a big Rolodex of a lot of friends that do some big stuff in the space. Um so we built this podcast to basically bring out the like real money earners, the real dudes who have like great info, the the same with women. We got a lot of women on there. Um and yeah, it's been great. And it's uh it's yeah, I think we got like 160 episodes now, give or take. Maybe it's less than that. I don't know. Anyway, but it's called uh Seven Figure Entrepreneur. Uh the website's just sevenfigureentrepreneur.com. Um, on Instagram, it's seven figure ENTP. It's on Spotify. It's on, um, iTunes. It's on Stitcher. It's on all that stuff. So, uh, wherever you get maybe your podcast. I, yeah. Will you have show notes at all or? Yeah. Yeah. We'll have show notes. So we'll put it in okay, the description perfect. so we can put the link there Dope. for it. Um, and definitely awesome. give you a listen. You already listened to a podcast. So just transition to another yeah. one right after yeah. this. Um, and a great yeah. So. And also, so I, uh, I have a, I have a lead gen course as well. It's called locked in lead. Um, I didn't really want to do a course, but I had to build out all these videos for the internal team anyway that I managed. So they're just like, oh, you got to release this. This is good. So, uh, we've, uh, I just, I've had it out for a year now and lots of success stories. So it's just locked in And, uh, yeah, check it out. Awesome. If you want, ask me some questions too. Yeah. Perfect. Well, Hey guys, you have the podcast, you have the course to go out there if you aren't doing CPL. And even if we, we'd mentioned before, if you're an offer owner and you're like, I just like to know more about this, boom, Gabe's got a course right there for you. It's going to help you out, yeah. make things a lot better and make you a better offer owner to deal with for affiliates having that information. So fantastic stuff. Really appreciate it. And by the way, it was that TikTok surpassed Google after 15 years straight of being the most trafficked website. So the most visited and looked at website, which is mind boggling. Again, if you're not investing in TikTok, yeah. I don't know what you're doing. This should be the year to do it. So thanks so much yeah. for your time though, Gabe. Um, and everybody out there too, make sure to like, review, and rate the podcast. Um, also start following Gabe on Instagram and listen to his podcast because um, it was great having you. It was great information, great guests as well. And with that, everyone have a great day and, and keep making money out there.